This is Strange Assembly, episode 327, Planescape, Adventures in the Multiverse. I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. Planescape has been my favorite Dungeons & Dragons campaign setting for decades. Despite the name, what makes Planescape Planescape isn't the planes. The ability to wander into the elemental plane of fire or the astral plane or the abyss predated Planescape, and it continued to be the usual cosmology of Dungeons & Dragons long after Planescape was discontinued. What defined Planescape was the metaphorical center of the universe, the city of Sigil, and the centrality of belief and philosophy and mindset. Planescape took all of that cosmology of the planes and made it something you could really campaign in, instead of some hypothetical place you'd never visit, and even if you did, it would only be at the highest levels. Planescape made the mundane wondrous, and the wondrous cosmic in scope. Sigil, also known as both the City of Doors and the Cage, was the ultimate cosmopolis, where characters low level or high could rub shoulders with beings from anywhere, from elementals making political speeches to fiendish generals taking a break from the blood war to local street rats, both literal and metaphorical. It was located on the inner surface of a torus. There were enigmatic Dabas groundskeepers, distinctive invasive flora and fauna, and watching out over all of it was the Lady of Pain. It had its own attitude, it has its own lingo, it had visuals all of its own, especially the, the fantastic art from Tony Dietrelizzi, whose name I'm probably killing the pronunciation of. It was a thrilling place to use on its own, and it was full of portals to everywhere, so it could be the home base for any sort of planar adventure. The importance of philosophy started, but did not end, in Sigil. The city itself, uniquely positioned and in that shape of a torus, physically embodied two of the setting's central philosophical tenets, the unity of rings and the center of all. The, the third one is the rule of three. Under the overall eye of the Lady of Pain, much of the city's organization was handled by the factions, who were defined by their beliefs about the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. Are all the gods fake? Are experiences the secret to enlightenment? Is everyone really dead, and the world we're experiencing now is just a purgatory? Over a dozen major factions operated in Sigil, each with their own distinctive belief systems, and it made player characters' beliefs about things like this matter. The Outer Planes themselves also embody something of philosophy. In D&D, these are where you go when you die, and the petitioners that dead people become can be found in these planes. But this was translated into a more relatable form in the Outlands. The Outlands were a great disc of indeterminate size. At the center of that disc was the spire, and floating at the top of the spire sits Sigil. Away from the spire, effectively if not literally at the edge of the disc, were the gate towns. There was one gate town for each of the 17 outer planes. With the gate to that plane, duh, 
and an incredible influence from that plane. The gate town for the plane of ultimate law, Mechanus, is quite a bit different from the gate town for the battlefields of Asheron. The gate towns allowed the setting to show off what made the planes distinctive in a more normal sort of setting. Bedlam is, for example, a lot easier to survive than Pandemonium proper. And these gate towns had to be at least a little bit different from the planes they connected to, or else they wouldn't be in the Outlands anymore. If a particular place becomes very aligned with another plane, it could slide physically into being part of that plane. So yes, Automata is very bureaucratic and rigid, but there's still that lawless underbelly, which is why it's still the gate town of Automata and not just part of Mechanus. And as a bonus, the Planescape campaign setting spawned Planescape Torment, my single favorite of the old school CRPGs, sorry Baldur's Gate, and one of the best video games ever. Also, Planescape and Torment really made Modron shine, and everybody loved them. I say all of the above because Planescape has finally officially returned to Dungeons and Dragons with the Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse box set. With me being so amped about old Planescape, I've been breathlessly awaiting this 5e version, and I am exceptionally excited to say that it is still great. So this new Planescape box set has four parts, a setting book, Sigil in the Outlands, a bestiary, Mort's Planar Parade, an adventure, Turn of Fortune's Wheel, and a DM screen. Sigil in the Outlands is, as one might expect, the heart of the box set, and it brings back almost everything great about the setting. Sigil has the general cosmology, the Lady of Pain, the Davis, Razorvine, Cranium Rats, Portals Everywhere, the Six Wards, the Factions. Uh, you know, some aren't as popular as they used to be of Merge, but they're all there. Who does what and what is where, right? All, all of this is coming back in Planescape. Uh, for the curious, at the moment, the major factions are the Aethar, uh, also called the Defiers, who believe that the gods are just powerful beings, and that there's some real singular power out there behind it all. There's the bleak cabal. The bleakers believe that there is no great meaning to be discovered in the universe, only the meaning that you give it. The doom guard. The sinkers believe that the purpose of the universe is entropy, and that everything will crumble and decay eventually. There are the faded, also known as the takers. They believe that people are entitled to whatever it is that they can take and hold. The Fraternity of Order, also called the Governors, believe that law governs existence and that people should both follow and exploit the loopholes in that law. There are the anarchist Hands of Havoc. The Reekers just kind of want to destroy everything and tear down rigid institutions. I suppose they describe themselves as freedom fighters. There's the Harmonium. The Hardheads believe that the universe will be perfect and at peace only when there is unity. You know, whether or not all of you want that unity and want to behave like this, well, you know, that's, that's kind of besides them. The Heralds of Dust. The Dusters believe that everyone is already dead and this life we're in is just the next step. There are the Mercy Killers, also called the Jailers. They believe that justice is absolute and that no one should get to escape it. There's the Mind's Eye. They're known as the Seekers for you old school scapers. The Mind's Eye are a combination of the old believers in the source and the sign of one faction. They believe that the universe shapes people, but that people can then shape the universe in turn and in so doing achieve godhood. 
There's the society of sensation. The sensates believe that the truth of the universe can only be obtained by having every single possible experience, be it good or bad. Finally, there's the transcendent order. The ciphers believe in understanding the universe by unifying the mind and body so that instinct, not thought, prevails. So with almost half of the book dedicated to the one city of Sigil, there's space to really flesh out what's important and distinctive about it. In addition, the outlines half of the book gives you two pages on each of the 17 gate towns, the prison-like atmosphere of Cursed, the blissful puritanism of Excelsior, the hopelessness of... hopeless? <laughs> the backstabbing of Ribcage, the party vibes of Sylvania, and more. Plus, there's a fantastic pull-out poster map with the map of Sigil on one side, the map of Outlands on the other. I love it. Other than just wanting, you know, more Planescape, the one thing that I did miss in this book was the cant. Sigil had this really colorful slang and attitude that gave the place extra flavor. Sigil and the Outlands leaves that out entirely, although the included venture does at least include someone telling those player characters Burks who will not stop rattling their bone boxes to Pike it, which made me smile because I, I feel like Pike it Burke is the single most Planescape thing that a person can say. Now, Sigil and the Outlands also does contain a few player options. There's two backgrounds, the Gate Warden and the Planar Philosopher. You go with the Gate Warden if you want a tie to a particular plane via its gate town in the Outlands, or the Planar Philosopher if you want a tie to one of the factions of Sigil. Like all of the recent D&D backgrounds, these give you a feat, Scion of the Outer Plains, which gives damage resistance and a cantrip. Now that feat, Sign of the Outer Plains, requires you to pick a specific Outer Plane or the Outlands, and that choice, you know, whether or not it's a good plane or a lawful plane or an evil plane or whatever, unlocks one of five other feats. Most of those feats add extra damage a few times a day, but the Outlands Envoy one gets Misty Step and Tongues. There's also a couple new spells, couple new magic items. This is the second place I wish Sigil and the Outlands gave me a bit more. I would have liked to see more distinctive mechanical options for these Sigil faction members. Right? I think it's telling that they get the Scion of the Outer Plains feat, just like the Gate Warden does, rather than something that is really more about being in Sigil or being part of the faction. Oh well, say levy. So the second book is The Bestiary, Mort's Planar Parade, is the shortest of the three included books, because, you know, many of the things that you might encounter out in the plains are already covered in some other book, right? You just get Modrons off in the Monster Manual now. But the Planar Parade includes several more Archons and Gardinals, the Barrier, who are center-like beings from Isgard, but with the body of a goat instead of a horse. You get a Cranium Rat variant, you get the Dabas, you get the Demodans, who are fiends from Carcery, uh, you, get, you get even more Modrons, and a few bigger Dark Beasties. This book also includes instructions for making planar variants of normal creatures and petitioners, uh, but a lot of the page count here is for NPCs of all the Sigil factions, usually more than one, which is very handy. Mort, if you're curious, is a chatty floating skull who appeared in Planescape Torment, and he's here to make snide remarks throughout the book. Not only is there some nostalgia for me for this character, 
but I also like it when the sidebars in these books are snarkier or otherwise comedic, because I think that makes a better contrast with the usually more objectively presented information in the main text. So, Sigil in the Outlands is the setting, and it's a great one. But for those who are new to Sigil, they're probably going to see Planescape first through the lens of the adventure Turn of Fortune's Wheel. I'm not going to delve into the details of the adventure here because, you know, spoilers. But in broad strokes, I think the Turn of Fortune's Wheel serves as a good introduction to Sigil, the Outlands, and the higher level concepts of Planescape, which is probably what, exactly what I would want this adventure to do. Uh, in a clear and explicit echo of Planescape Torment, this adventure starts with the third level player characters waking up in the mortuary where they will be welcomed by Mort and mostly not know who they are. Upon escaping from the mortuary, the player characters will get the chance to tour Sigil, interact with the eponymous Fortune's Wheel Casino, tour the Outlands, interact with the casino some more, and then get involved in some cosmic scale hijinks. They will also fairly quickly learn that there is something glitchy about themselves. Uh, they did just wake up after being dead, after all, and they will get to engage in exploration of what makes them them. The adventure scales quite rapidly from levels 3 to 10. Uh, the DM can slow the pace down if they want to create more content for the players to encounter around Sigil or the Outlands. Uh, I think that could be interesting to do in Sigil. Once the players hit the Outlands, however, I would probably keep things as tight as the book allows, as once you're in the Outlands, I think it's going to be quite apparent to any player that the main point of the adventure in the Outlands is to make sure that the players see as many of these different locations in the Outland as possible, so they're already going to be kind of like just running around all over the place. And, and this is noted in the back of the book, so it's not a, not a secret or anything, there is a jump straight from 10th level to 17th level at one point in this book. Like I said, the characters are a little bit, you know, glitchy. So that has the side effect of keeping most of the adventure at a more manageable level, while also getting to let the characters do some cosmic craziness at the end. So that's, that's the adventure, Turn of Fortune's Wheel. The final and unsurprisingly weakest link in this box set is the DM screen. So one of the, the problems that always plagues these DM screens is that the Dungeon Master screen reincarnated came out six years ago and is a really, really good screen. Now there's always the opportunity for one of these more specific Dungeon Master screens to bring something more helpful for a particular sort of setting. Right? And so the Planescape DM screen does have some of that. It does have some useful new bits. So about out of the four panels, about two-thirds of a panel is a listing of the gate towns with their associated planes, and a listing of the factions of Sigil with their nicknames and their philosophies, a listing of the wards of Sigil with what you can find there, and a little map of the Outlands. And all of that is really nice to have. Like, that's the sort of thing, like, okay, this is what I want in a, a setting-specific GM screen. But it also has four-thirds of a panel of random encounter and random portal tables. And that is not at all useful to me as a DM. This is something that, for me, comes up repeatedly with these specialty DM screens. I just don't need random encounter generation tables or, ran or just random tables generally on DM screens. They're not something I use, 
I don't want to randomly generate something in the middle of a game. And if I'm not doing it in the middle of a game, why do I need it on my DM screen? I don't know. So that just eats up so much real estate on this, and then you're losing other more useful stuff. So this DM screen has Planescape-specific art, which is always a plus if you're doing you know, a Planescape adventure. But I, I wish they could have kept more functionality. Oh, well, that's okay. Right? This is it's kind of like a throw-in in the box set. So all told, Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse is a fantastic return for this campaign setting. I love Planescape. I've been just really waiting for Planescape to come back, especially once they announced it. And I think that this box set really does Planescape justice. So if you play D&D, I think you should check this out. It's really good. Go have fun. You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can also find us on the usual social media haunts. So we are at facebook.com slash strangeassembly and at strangeassembly on Instagram. You can reach out to me there or directly find me at chris at strangeassembly.com. I always like to hear your comments and feedback. You can also find more episodes of this podcast on our website, Amazon, iTunes, wherever it is that you get your podcast, you should be able to find us. But until then, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.